0: Welcome back to another episode of Saturday the 14th. This is Maddie. And this is Maggie. We should switch that someday, and I'll just say your name and you'll say my name. No
1: one will notice. No, we don't sound that different. Um, Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that if you listen to our podcast and enjoy it, please take a moment just to rate us on whatever app you're listening to us on, because that's how we get discovered. and And also, we are
0: desperate Desperate for positive attention.
1: Also that, yeah, we thrive off of it. Just give us love. I took a personality assessment earlier this year that said I am self-conscious and need constant positive reinforcement. So, reinforce me positively with a rating.
0: (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, this week we are talking about the J-horror remake classic. The Grudge. Yay! Starring Buffy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
1: Also, it's really weird to see Sarah Michelle Geller just, like, running around being helpless and scared the entire time. Yeah, Buffy would have, like, roundhouse kicked somebody in the face. She would have gone to Giles and be like, so what do we need to do? And she would have had some, like, holy water, a cross, a stake. None of it would have worked because that's not this type of ghost, but she would have tried real hard. She would
0: have. And then,
1: like, Willow would have saved the day, probably.
0: Yeah. She was, like, she had a real, like post-emotional breakdown Buffy vibe, where she just sort of, like, wandered around and stared at things a lot. I mean, like, after Buffy died? Yeah, when she came back, like, right before she got super bitter, but, like, right when she was still, like, I don't want to be here. When so she, she was just depressed and not angry, you know? Yeah, she did. So it fit her well. Yeah, I mean, she was great. And she acted
1: the part very well. She did. I love Sarah Michelle Geller. It's just hard to see her as helpless after she was so kick-ass and Buffy. That is true. But, yeah, so it starred Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, it also stars
0: Jason Baer. Kadi Strickland. I think that's Katie.
1: Oh, that's a really weird spelling of Katie. It's capital K, lowercase a, capital D, and then two
0: lowercase e's. Caddy. Caddy. Oh. Um, it also stars Clea Duvall and Bill Pullman.
1: And it was directed by Takashi Shimizu, who actually is the creator and director of the original Juwan series, which this was based off of.
0: Yes. And that, of course, is a Japanese horror movie. Um... Which uh, was, not, I guess, not the first um, J-horror
1: that got... Not the first one to be remade, because I think that one really went to the ring. Yeah. But something that I read that I thought was really cool is this is kind of considered to be the perfect remake because of the fact that it had the original creator as the director. Also, the woman who plays Kayako and the guy who plays Takeo are the same people who played it no, it's Takio. It's the um, oh, but Toshio also the same character, the same guy, isn't he? Same the kid? kid? I think so. Oh, I don't know. Oh, no, he would be the wrong age. I think he'd be he? the wrong age. So I don't think it was Toshio. I think it was Takio and Kayako, oh. who were the same actors. Interesting. Then the kid that they got looks a lot like the kid that they. It had looks a originally. lot like him, but okay. I think the kid probably would have gotten too old, so they probably yeah. just looked for someone.
0: Um, I also might have just seen two photos of this Toshio next to each other. That's very possible. And not realize that they were not side-by-side comparisons.
1: But what's nice is this definitely had a larger budget. It had Sam Raimi of Evil Dead fame as one of the producers. Yes, it did. And I read about how like the original Toshio just kind of looked like a kid who was playing with flower, while this one actually looked like a scary dead kid.
0: Yeah. He's creepy. He's so creepy. Like, props to that little kid. He was super scary.
1: Yeah. And then this is also a remake, actually, of the third Ju-On movie, which was the first one that was in theaters. And so that was Ju-On The Grudge. Mm-hmm. And the first two had been cult classics that were released directly to video. I think it might have been actually VHS, because this was like the 90s. I'm not sure it was VHS or DVD. And since those became cult classics, the third one was popular enough they put it into theaters. But then there was this disconnect because if that's the first one you've seen and you're not familiar with the mythology, it was a whole mess. So they just started from scratch, included the entirety of the mythology in this one. And plus the budget and better actors and Sam Raimi's help because he's so good with horror. It's just considered to be one of the best remakes of a foreign horror movie. This one and The Ring really, I would say, probably are the best. (laughs) The Ring's great. It just is almost, like, over the top and trying to explain every single piece. That's true. I do like that this one doesn't really do that. It's kind of like, well, here's a little bit of it, but, like... I read it was actually kind of difficult for some Western audiences because it was a little confusing. Mm -hmm. And it taking place in Japan
0: made it a little difficult for some people to understand. But I think it made it better. Yeah, I really like that. I know that a lot of these try to sort of... um transplant the story into like a u.s city um but i really like that this took place in japan so you still get that same you know similar setting to and it's what nice because the they were able was. to kind of mix up like japanese actors and white actors so
1: it was right especially in 2004 easier to market because mm-hmm. a all japanese cast as a traditional hollywood movie probably would have been difficult to sell in 2004
0: yeah, that's true 2004 why did i think this was 2006 I have I think maybe the second one came out in 2006 maybe Oh maybe was Dark Water 2006? That's I possible. Dark Water might have been 2006. Yeah, anyway, um, so like Maddie mentioned, the budget for this is um, pretty decent. I mean, it had a $10 million budget. Which is a lot bigger, I believe, than the original, like, Jew on the Grudge yeah. was. And that is kind of a lot for horror, because we do see a lot of horror movies with, like, budgets that are in the, like, $5 million or, like, $2 million or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this still made big. It did. It made about $187.2 million.
1: Yeah. So, real successful movie. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I actually owned it on DVD growing up, so I've
0: seen this movie a lot. I couldn't find it on DVD. I've mentioned really? before that I've been trying to, you know, trying to buy all of these on DVD, um, which I was made fun of for recently. Um, by me? No, by someone else. But like, I know that it's weird, and I I know that people don't still buy DVDs. But
1: so, what's nice is when like the internet apocalypse happens and just the internet doesn't exist anymore or like fucking solar flares take over, Yes, you'll exactly. still be able to watch all really your scary movies. Exactly.
0: Provided I can find a DVD player, <laughs> which my computer no longer has because Apple did away you with can those. buy external ones. I will get one of those and I will never have to worry about like if Apple goes under and then all of the movies that I bought on iTunes go away or like if, I don't know, Netflix shuts down. God forbid.
1: I'm pretty sure I own four computers right now. Which is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And only one of the four has a DVD drive.
0: I know that technically it's, like, outdated technology now, but I just miss it, you know? And also, you used to be able to, like, buy a CD and, like, have it in your car and then also, like, rip it onto your computer. Yeah. And you could, like, just, like, own your 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 music and, like, physically own it and also have it on your computer. I mean,
1: the summer when I was in Ireland, I bought cds from a couple of street musicians Mm -hmm. and i got them back home
0: and i was like how the hell do i listen to this exactly (laughs) basically i want to know if i'm buying something i'm buying it and there's a physical version of it so anyway i've been buying all of these i could not find the grudge i went to amoeba music which normally has everything that i need amazon didn't have it well amazon had it but this was like two days before we were initially supposed Uh, to record this so i was kind of in crunch time um I couldn't find it. Oh, no, I couldn't even get into Amoeba because it was like World Record Day or something like that. And the line was like out the door. And I was like, I'm not doing that. So I didn't do that. I went to Target, which has a bleak DVD section now. Yeah, it's pretty rough. And then I went to Best Buy, which normally has an okay DVD selection. Yeah, but but 14-year-old movies that were yeah solidly mediocre. Like, I
1: like this movie a lot, and it has some great scares. I wouldn't call this a classic Yeah, you're probably right. I was disappointed, though. Like, I'd be more... I'd be less surprised to find, like, the ring there, because I think that was more of a success. That's true.
0: Yeah, I was disappointed, though. I really wanted to have it on DVD. I'm still going to buy it on DVD. You should. I'm going to get it when I go for next week's movie. But anyway,
1: we spent a lot of time just now talking about your search (laughs) for The Grudge on DVD.
0: Yeah. Do you want to get us started on the synopsis of this movie? I would love to. Okay, so we open up. In Tokyo, uh, with Bill Pullman, who plays a character named Peter, standing on his balcony, and his wife is waking up in bed, and she's like, what are you doing up so early? Come back to bed. Uh, And he doesn't, he jumps off the balcony instead. And she's like, fuck. Yep. Um, Which is a tough opener. Yeah, it's just like this white guy falling
1: over a balcony, kind of. It's it's not even so much he jumps, he he just just kind of like bends over the balcony and goes headfirst towards the ground. It
0: doesn't seem necessarily intentional. It almost seems like he accidentally fell but it was he weird. obviously didn't yeah
1: but so in a another city or another part of Tokyo um, there's a young Japanese woman named Yoko who comes to work and her job is to help this old lady Emma who um, lives with her son and his wife so that would be Matt and Jennifer and Emma has Like, severe lethargy. She doesn't really talk at all. Yeah, she has some kind of dementia because Yoko is like, do you remember who I am? Yeah, and so Yoko's cleaning up the house, which is just a mess. There are, like, wrappers and weird things everywhere. And she hears something upstairs, so she goes to investigate, and she finds this closet. And she opens the closet... -hmm. And sees there's like one of those holes that kind of leads up to the attic inside a closet. I actually had one of those in my closet growing up as a kid, like in the house where I watched this movie a lot. So that definitely freaked me out a little bit. We had
0: one of those in our hallway right outside my bedroom, and I was like not comfortable going near it.
1: Yeah. So anyway, Yoko hears something up in the attic and she like sticks her head up, and it's super dark. So she takes out a lighter. Ah. And this is so good. She's like, looking around and as she's looking around she's just moving her whole body in her hand and then right behind her slowly lit up is this terrifying face of this woman and you hear this like death rattle.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, Something like that. I've started just making that noise around Tim and it really freaks him out. I used to do that like in middle school because I was in middle school and this movie came out. Nice i would love to read the rest of this um but your cat is on top of my <laughs> it's fine i can continue from here while nikolai uh, yeah, get down here decides to
1: join in on the hi. podcast hi so anyway um yeah seemingly yoko is uh, super dead yes she dies she gets very murdered <laughs> so um the next morning we meet karen davis who is sarah michelle geller who has followed her boring boyfriend doug to japan she is
0: all up in his business and he is not interesting he's like very like 2000s hot where he's just like tall and has long curly hair and like as opposed to 70s architect. hot yeah like last time actually 90s and 70s hot are not that dissimilar or, i'm sorry early 2000s he's just like hairier Sorry, 70s hot is hairier. That's definitely true. You could get away with a lot more hair.
1: And, like, Doug still has a lot of, like, facial hair and longish hair and stuff like that. He doesn't have the body hair. He He doesn't doesn't look damp. We never really see much of his body. That's true. Anyway, um, but there definitely is overlap between early 2000s hot and
0: 70s hot. So, boring Doug has to go to his architecture class. Um, so he leaves after they have weird morning sex you don't even see anything though it's very it's fine it's very this is actually I'm pretty sure this is a PG-13 movie that's true you're right it's very PG-13 can't see anything steamy nope nobody's gonna watch Buffy have sex I mean we all watch Buffy have sex in Buffy yeah and that scene where they're stuck in the house and they just like Oh my God. condoms yeah. on it left and right. When when the uh, the plants take yeah, over. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I was actually even thinking like the Buffy and Angel sex scene is like more intense
0: than that one was in the movie. Yeah. But I think that what really seals it in the house one is that you literally see her reach into a bedside table and pull out a condom. <laughs> which is like, be safe kids, but also like just... I don't know. I found it really funny when I watched it. It It is. It's almost a little jarring, but... Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, So (laughs) boring Doug goes to class, um, and Karen is like, oh, I'm going to take the day off. I don't have any classes. I just have to go get a book. Um, And so she goes to the like elder care place that she works to go grab something and
1: um her boss alex tells her that yoko didn't show up for work today so he needs her to take over and this is actually gonna be the first time she's ever gone to a house on her own to take care of someone
0: yeah and he's like it's cool like they're an english-speaking house you won't have any problems this lady's name is emma like just go help her out and so um Karen
1: goes by, and the house is once again, like, demolished. Like, there are weird wrappers and food on the ground. I don't quite understand that part of everything. Yeah, that's not really well-established. It's just, there's crap all over the house. Is it, like, supposed to be the kid who's doing that? I don't know. Is it this? the family's really messy? Is Emma, like, secretly have a ton of energy, except for when someone's there? Mm. It's never fully explained. There's just, like, it gets really messy. And so she starts cleaning up. And she hears a cat upstairs. So Karen goes upstairs to investigate this cat noise. Yeah, and it sounds like it's coming from this closet that is taped shut. Yeah, it's like there's like masking tape just completely closing this closet. And this is the same closet that Yoko the day before had entered. Which was
0: not masking taped shut then. It was not. So she opens it up and there's just a boy inside. Holding a cat. Holding a cat, and he's real weird looking, very pale. And he just looked like a small kid. He's just, like, freakishly pale. Yeah. And won't say a thing. He says his name is Toshio. Yeah.
1: But not initially. She's, like, she It calls... takes a long time for him even, I think he, all he says is the name Toshio.
0: Yeah. And so she calls Alex and she's, like, um, what the fuck is going on here? There was a boy taped in a room here. Uh, and he's, like, okay, I'll be over. Um, and then she hears Emma, so the
1: old lady who's in bed making weird noises. So she goes to investigate. And she's going, uh. No, she's not. She's, she's making, like, making, noises. like, as if she's having a hard time breathing or she's yeah. freaked out. And is this when Emma, like, looks at her and she's like, I just don't like when she's staring at me. I yeah. want her to stop staring it's at me. It's really
0: creepy. And she's like, who are you talking about? And then you see, like, the black, like, cloud in the background. In and the isn't there just, the like, room. a face in it at some point? Yeah, so it starts off in a corner, right? Like, in the back corner, like, you see it start to develop. And it's just, like, this big black, like it almost looks liquidy, like a leak or something like yeah. that. And then like all of a sudden it's like right behind them and it has the face. It has uh it's like this
1: face. Yeah, it has this huge black shape with like this long neck thing. I think it's supposed to be hair. Yeah, it looks yeah, I think it is, but at first you can't really tell It's bad what it's CGI. To be. But it's bad CGI that's supposed to look like this. just this mass of hair. And I yeah. don't know why hair is such a big thing in this movie. Maybe it's because it's a PG-13 movie that there can't be any blood. So what else is scary that's and true. comes out of your body? Hair is freaky, man, when you really think about it. Yeah. Mm, I don't it's know. like this dead stuff. You can't feel it. It has a it's life true. of its own sometimes. I know my hair has a life of its own sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Karen turns around and, like... Kayako does her death rattle in Karen's face. And then, like, eyes are, like, really creepy. Pretty sure it, like, goes to black, and then Alex shows up at the house, and Emma's dead. Karen's, like, catatonic in the corner. Yeah.
0: It's an issue. Yeah, and so they go to the hospital, and Karen keeps, like, trying to tell people about that there was a boy there. Um, And while she's kind of waking up, after, like, she sends away her boring boyfriend. Um, she overhears the detective, um, two of the detectives talking about what had happened in the house previously.
1: Yeah, they said something about, like, this is the first family that had lived there since the since what happened what three happen- years yeah, yeah. ago.
0: And I think when they were
1: investigating the house afterwards, they also found the dead bodies of Matt yes, and... Yes, they don't really
0: tell you that initially. They tell you that a little bit after you see some of the flashback, but... Yeah, we yeah. see a
1: flashback. It's it's hard because this movie jumps around so much. It's a non linear storytelling thing. Yeah. So to try to explain the summary in order of the exact movie, we'd be jumping around so much. So we might tell it a little out of order, but you'll get right. the general story. There
0: is um, while Karen is in the house, she gets a they get a phone call um, that goes straight to voicemail because she can't find the receiver. But it's from Matt, the the guy who lives in the house. It's from his sister. Susan saying that she's really worried about their mom. And so she hears that message, um, and it comes up again later. But but so after
1: um, Karen kind of overhears the detectives talking in the hospital, it, we get a flashback, and we get to learn all about the family, Emma's family, um, and who came to Japan and kind of what was going on there.
0: Right. So it's Emma, and she lives with her son, Matt, and his wife— um, Jennifer. And they've just moved to this new house. They're new to Tokyo. Matt has a job. Um, Jennifer does not like being in Japan. She, she doesn't does know anybody. Not. She's like, I went for a walk and I got lost and I don't, you know, I. she can't read Japanese. She can't speak and Japanese. Something.
1: I, I just went to Japan a couple weeks ago and something that is very common is a lot of people in Japan don't speak English, and the ones who do, they're very um, self-conscious about their English speaking abilities. So they really oh. prefer not to, right. if possible. So it is hard to have like a conversation with like a random person on the street. Because I think there's a scene where she goes up and like asks for directions, yeah, and. They just, like, walk away, and that's actually something that would probably happen unless you're, like, in a train station. I think they kind like, of, like, a sort station. of point,
0: but it's, like, obviously a difficult... When she's trying to... When Karen is initially trying to find she, the house, Because she, like, smiles like, at the kid,
1: and, like, the mom, like, grabs her, like... Yeah. That's just... It's such a cultural difference. Yeah.
0: So, Jennifer is not having a great time, and Matt's, like, listen, if you don't like it in, like, a couple weeks, then I'll just tell them that we're going back home, basically.
1: Yeah. So, one day, Matt comes home and, like, finds Jennifer lying in bed making that, like, f- uh, fucked up, yeah, creaking noise thing, and I think she had found something, like, she'd gone into the attic or some shit, she'd been attacked yeah, by something. she'd been looking around, yeah. And, anyway, um, and Toshio, the kid, attacks, and he also meows a lot. He does. Like, he meows more often than he speaks it's weird it's kind of, i think it's because i mean i'm getting ahead of it but since the cat died and he died in the same way and yeah. he was really emotionally connected to the cat true
0: it'd be like if queso and i died violently together and then you just make those like, like grunting noises exactly um i could see that happening to
1: be honest and so, anyway, it's pretty clear that Matt and Jennifer are both hella dead, and there's a reason why Emma is, like, kind of messed up. Yeah. And it's funny, because actually in the initial flashback, when they're first touring the house, Emma seems, like, super together and Yeah, she and can, everything. like, walk around. I and, think like, she's she had run in into Kyoko's ghost, and it can kind of scarred her, and that's why she became—that's, like, what gave her all the dementia.
0: Oh, and right, when they're looking around, the realtor, like, goes into the upstairs bathroom— and this the tub is full of water. Oh yeah,
1: and he like tries to like grab the uh, stuff out of the drain. He grabs like a ton of hair
0: and he's like nope, I'm leaving. He yeah. just like leaves it. Yeah. He's like, fuck the shit, I'm out. Yep. And then they're like, we'll buy it. And he's like, great, I can leave. <laughs> um, so uh, about the same time or a little bit after, um, we see Susan, Matthew's sister, um, at the office that she works at. And we actually
1: see her making the phone call that Sarah Michelle Geller had heard left on the voicemail. Right. And talking about how she's worried. And Susan had been in the house when they were initially touring it, so that's how she had the connection to the house. And so... Susan starts getting ready to leave the office, but she starts hearing, like, this moaning noise.
0: It's, like, kind of the same, like, weird creaky voice noise.
1: Yeah, it's... Ugh. And so she gets a little freaked out. She reacts appropriately. Yeah,
0: she goes back upstairs and she finds somebody and is like, Well, first she tries to take the stairs instead of the elevator because she's waiting for
1: the elevator. And then the lights start going out one level at a time. She sees someone coming down. She's like, nope. Yep. So she runs to go get security. And security goes to investigate. They don't see anything. But she's like watching the security camera. This is
0: so creepy. So she's watching it on the security camera. And she's like, oh, this is fine. Everything's totally fine. And then in one shot there's just like a figure standing outside like yeah the this whole airway door
1: gets black like the bottom of it just gets black and there's a shape that then turns into this figure yeah and it's so freaking it starts walking towards the security and camera and it's like
0: right up to the
1: camera and it's just black no, I think she runs away before that even happens. That's when Oh, the, you're right. She's that's like, when the detective, because I she doesn't here. even let it get to that point. She's yeah. like, nope, not going to yeah. like, nope, be, like, nope, be here for this. She's the best, because she just, like, every time something even slightly scary starts Honestly, to happen, she runs so away. Smart. She's like,
0: I'm not going to do
1: this. So she takes a cab home. She's Everything seems like it's okay. She's away from whatever this thing was at the office. Yeah. She goes into her apartment building, and she gets in the elevator, and she, like, lays against the side and closes her eyes. This is my favorite scene in the movie. And... It shows, like, the elevator door has windows, and so it's showing each passing floor, and at some point you see Toshio, like, the kid, and with each passing floor, he just gets closer until he's literally right up against the window, and all you can see are his eyes. And her she, her eyes are closed, so she's not seeing any of this, yeah. and it gets to her floor, and he's not there, and so she yeah. goes out.
0: So she goes out, she goes inside, locks the door behind her like a smart person, and then she gets a cell phone call, and she's like, Fuck! But it's fine, because it's Matthew. Yeah, her brother. Yeah. Who we know is, is dead. hella dead. So she, she doesn't answers know that yet. It. Yeah, she answers it, and she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, oh, I'm right outside your building. And she's like, okay, that's weird, he's all like, right. like, can
1: you remind me what floor you're on again? And, like, what your apartment unit number is? And so she tells
0: him, then immediately hears the doorbell ring. Yeah, and she's like, what? And so she goes to the door, and she looks out, and she's like, oh, it's him. Like, he must have just been, like, fucking with me or whatever. And she opens the door and he's not there. There's no one there. I'm like getting goosebumps just thinking about this. It's so creepy. I was so freaked out. Oh my God. It's so creepy. (laughs) Like, this whole thing, I honestly think the Susan stuff is the creepiest part because, like, she was briefly in that house. Yeah. It's like she just walked through it. She didn't experience
1: anything. She didn't do anything. No. But now this, like, fucking ghost is after her. So she's
0: like, this is fucked up and I don't like it and I'm going to bed. So, oh, she hears the death rattle too, and she's like, fuck this shit. It comes through the phone. Yes. The f- death rattle yes. starts coming through You're the right. phone. And she's like, this is not cool. So she,
1: like, closes the door, she locks it with the chain, and she goes and she, like, gets in bed. And then there's this lump that forms the bottom of the bed and uh, starts, like, crawling towards her. And she lifts up the covers, and Kayako is on top of her and, like, looks up and does and, like, the death rattle thing. Yeah, her and mouth is, like, really wide and She creepy. gets, like,
0: sucked into the bed, and they're both just gone. Oh, my God. It's so scary. Uh, okay. So, back to the, I guess, the present? It's a little bit... Yeah, I think it's the present,
1: because um, the detective, Nakagawa, he goes to talk to Alex, who
0: is Karen and Yoko's boss. Yes, the person who sent um, both of them over to the house.
1: Yeah, and so... He told them that Yoko has been missing, and they saw Yoko's bike is actually in front of the house, so was clear she was there, and she probably didn't leave. Right. And so the detective notices that the phone handset is missing from the cradle, so he pushes the button to make it go off, and they keep... He keeps following it and takes him back up into the attic again. And that's actually when he finds the bodies of Matt and Jennifer. Right. And then also just a human jaw.
0: Yeah, which is an upsetting thing to find. Yeah, and no body to go with it, just the jaw. I would rather, I think, find an entire dead body than just a human jaw. I feel like I'd rather find a
1: jaw only because the person could still be alive, potentially. I guess. Also, it's a lot smaller, so like... There's a chance you might
0: just not notice it on the floor there. You're definitely going to notice a corpse. I just feel like you get some closure when you find a human body. You're like, oh, that person's definitely dead. And, like, we know where all of them is. Unless they're ghosts. Well, then they're still dead. That's the concept of a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're like, who the fuck did this jaw come from? Uh. Anyway. <sighs> so-
1: it gets a little the it, the order here gets a little confusing again because Karen is still trying to like insist to the detectives. She tries talking to them again, tells them about the boy, to and they're like, we didn't find a boy. Yeah, and then um over the next few days, Karen is cuz she gets to leave the hospital. Um, but like on the way home at some point, she's in a bus and Kayako's face appears in the reflection of the bus window. Um, she's showering at some point and like fingers come out of the back of her head while she's showering. And it's just
0: a mess. Yeah. She's not doing great at this point. She's like just having a slow emotional breakdown and her boyfriend's like, what's going on? And she's like, fuck this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we go back to Alex, who is leaving. He's at work getting at ready work. to leave for the day, and he hears
1: someone walking downstairs, and he looks down, and there's a woman who is clearly kind of messed up. She's kind of shuffling weirdly. Her clothes
0: are all ripped up and kind of bloody. Yeah, but he recognizes her, and he's like, oh, it's Yoko. What's up, Yoko? What's so going on?
1: she starts walking down the stairs. He follows her and then slips, and he touches the ground and sees there's blood, and he just looks up, and he's like... What happened, Yoko? Like,
0: what? That's very chill. I would be like, what the fuck? You've been gone for three days and you're bleeding everywhere. Like, yeah. put and a he little just, effort
1: into it. It almost seems like he knows that she's a ghost and he's like, so, like, what happened to you?
0: Yeah. And Which she, is a
1: really chill way to approach ghosts. Yeah. And she just, like, looks up and she just doesn't have the jaw and so her face is super deformed. Well, like, her tongue's tongue sticking out. out. Ugh. And then it just, like, switches scenes again. So, what happened to Alex? I think it's safe to assume that Alex... Gets alex we do summer. know dies only because doug the boring boyfriend calls karen at some point he's like hey alex and yoko are dead and that's like yeah. the only closure we get on alex's and she's story like, fuck alex is a nice guy
0: yoko was, was nice karen was nice ted ramey didn't deserve that
1: oh shit i forgot that alex was ted ramey yeah
0: yeah he didn't get to he didn't deserve to get murdered in that bathroom in Candyman. I disagree. He deserved to get murdered in the bathroom in Candyman. That's true. He was kind of a dick in Candyman. He did not deserve to get murdered in this one. No, he was a nice boy.
1: In I this also one. enjoy that the only cast member of any of these movies who has overlapped so far is Ted Raimi.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, man. Seems appropriate.
0: Um, so, Detective Nakagawa... Is like, there's something fucking wrong with this house. What's happening to all of the people who are connected to this house? And this is when he watches the footage of the office building. And he sees, like, all of, like, Kayako wandering around. And then he sees her, like, pop up right in front of the camera.
1: Yeah. So just closer. It was like, she, like, walks. There's this dark figure that, like, walks out of the frame. And all of a sudden, the entire frame turns black. These two eyes pop open. And he's like, oh, shit. And
0: uh, then back to Karen. Yeah. She's, like, pretty fucked up about this. And she decides to do some research. Yeah. As anyone would. In good Buffy fashion, you do you know, research and I you mean, find out the history of the house. Buffy was never the one to do research, to be fair. That's true. This is actually kind of a Willow move. Or Giles. Well, she's Googling it, so it's a Willow move. That's true.
1: <laughs> Giles, I don't think, knew how technology worked. No. But he was real yeah. sexy with his books. <sighs> See... I think something I read once was that, like when you first watch Buffy, you and like you're young, you have a crush on Xander. Mm-hmm. When you get older, you have a crush on Giles. Yeah,
0: I gotta say, when I watched it in college, I was like, okay, Xander, and now I'm like, Xander's the most annoying person. Oh, Xander's who the has worst ever existed in the
1: world. I think it's like when I was like 13, watching it, I had a crush on Xander, was I didn't realize how messed Xander. up everything he did was. And now, like, I think it was college, Matt. He was like,
0: yeah, all about the Giles. Giles is, I mean, listen. He wasn't old when he like he was older, but he was like was, what like in his thirties, thirties, something like that. Yeah, that's like a reasonable age. Totally. Anyway, sorry. She's being a real Willow right now, and so she knows Toshio's name, and she has overheard that there was a murder in the house. So she does some googling
1: and she finds out that yeah, there were a handful of murders in the house. She sees the name. Peter Kirk. Yes. And
0: sees that he killed himself a
1: day after these murders. And she'd also
0: found a photo in the house, which is of him. So it was just of Bill Pullman. Yeah. And so she finds like an article, I think, about Peter Kirk and and it's the same guy. Yeah. So she goes to see his widow, Maria, who... She, like, buzzes
1: in. She's like, hey, I'm here to talk to you about your husband. She's like, what's going on? She kind of just says, like, I need to ask you some questions. So Maria buzzes her up. Maria is, like, in a form-fitting, one-shouldered, like, red dress with, like, all this makeup and lipstick on. Yeah, I don't think Maria is
0: handling Peter's death very well.
1: It's just really weird because, like, she's hella dressed up and it's never a dress. that no. She looks like she's going out for, like, a night on the town. She, but she looks like like a sad thing in the town.
0: Together. She looks like she's just like trying really hard and Actually, not that's doing a great. good point. She was probably just
1: trying to look put together yeah. to make herself feel better. It's just like, like she was like looking like she was trying to look real hot. and I was just so surprised cuz she's just home alone. Yeah.
0: But it it is really sad cuz like in the first scene, like even just their little interaction, you can tell that They're like so she's in love. really into him and he's not doing a lot in that scene, but she's like Come back to bed like you're up so early and she like looks so happy that like she's there and he's there. It's
1: clear, I mean, from everything in this movie that like Maria and Peter were actually like very much in love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Their story is quite sad.
1: But they talk and um
0: she looks Ma- at a bunch of these photos. That yeah, Maria,
1: Maria has. gives Karen some photos and said, like, the, some of these are from our first date. And so Karen's going through all these photos and starts noticing the same woman's face in the background of almost every single photo.
0: It's Kayako.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if Karen could really... I think she did recognize Kayako from the articles about the murders. Right, she hasn't... Well, no, she has seen Kayako's face. In Only online, but in the actual... And also... Oh, in ghost form. Yeah, in That's ghost true. Form. I didn't think about They look so different. She looks so different as a she ghost. She
0: does. So, so, right after we see all these pictures of Kayako following Peter and Marie around, we get a little bit of backstory about that whole situation. So we see Peter at work at the um, university that he worked at. And he's just got this fat stack of letters. And apparently this woman has been sending him letters all the time. And he's like... One of his, his co-workers is like making fun of him for having a secret admirer. And he's like, I know she says she was in my class. I do not remember her being in my class. But she's been writing him a lot, a lot, a lot of letters. So he goes to visit the house to like talk to
1: her and be like, who are you? Why are you doing this? And... The house is just very quiet. And so he walks around the side, and he sees this boy, who's Toshio, and his, like, arms are hanging out the side of the bathroom window, and his face is all scratched up, and he tries talking to him. The boy looks at him and, like, goes back inside, and yeah. Peter's like, there's a boy who's kind of fucked up. I need to go in. So he, like, mm-hmm. opens the door. It's unlocked, and he goes to check on Toshio, and he's also all blood. Like, his knee is bloodied up. Yeah, and has, he like, looks like bandage. he's been, like, Beaten up. Yeah. And so he gets Toshio onto the couch, and he's looking around. He starts hearing this meowing, and he's, like, looking around. And then you can see there's, like, a shot of Peter and Toshio in the background. And Toshio's mouth open, and it turns out he's the one meowing again.
0: Yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah. Um, so then we go back to Karen, um, and she talks to uh, Detective Nakagawa about it. And he's like, yeah, there's definitely something wrong with the house. A bunch of my friends, my colleagues, have died or disappeared looking into it. And he's like, I believe in ghosts. There's something wrong in that place. Here's this thing where, you know, if a person dies in like a horrible situation, they'll come back as this really vengeful, angry spirit. They become
1: a stain upon the place.
0: Yeah. And he said
1: that in these places, like whatever happened is just destined to repeat itself there consistently. And at some point, he was like, Yeah, I'm sorry. And it's clear he's like apologizing. He's like, Well, we're both fucked. We're both going to die. Because she's yeah. like, We both went into that house. And he's like, Yep, sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, and so then he goes to the the house and he's like, I'm going to burn this down. I'm going to end it. We're going to go. And so he brings gasoline. He goes over um, and he hears what sounds like a child drowning in the bathtub, in the same bathtub that the realtor had seen the weird water and the hair in. So he goes up and he finds Toshio with his face in the tr- in the tub and he tries to pull him out and like get him back to life. And then Toshio's eyes
1: Snap open, and Takeo... And this is, like, one of the first times we've ever seen Takeo. Yes, Takeo is... The husband. The husband. Toshio's father and um, Keaku's husband. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, Takeo appears behind the detective and, like, shoves him in the bathtub and drowns him in the same exact position that Toshio had just been in. Yeah.
0: So then Karen goes back home. She left a note for her boyfriend, Doug, originally when she left. And... She's freaked out because Doug isn't
1: actually there. And so she listens to a voicemail that Doug had left on their home phone Mm -hmm. where he says, like, where are you? Are you at that house? I saw your research. I'm coming to find you. And this raised a lot of questions for me because then we see Doug, who's on his cell phone at the house. Questions. One. Call his phone. Yeah. Why didn't she call his cell phone? Two. Why doesn't Karen have a cell phone?
0: That's true. I guess it... No, it was 2006. 2004. Four. It
1: was 2004.
0: I guess not everyone had cell phones. But if you're going to be in a foreign country... But also, if your boyfriend has a cell phone... You should have a cell phone. And he's a student. Yeah. You are working a full-time job That's as a true. caretaker. But I think there are volunteers there. Because she talks about having volunteered there because she needed to be around other people. Oh. Uh, well, still... You should still have a cell phone if you're phone. traveling to another country that the rest of your family does not live And if your boyfriend has a cell phone. And if your boyfriend has a Who cell phone. Who you live with. Yeah.
1: So anyway... Then she does pull a very Buffy move and literally runs from her apartment to the house to she find She does the him. Buffy run, too. She does with the, the Buffy the, run. The arms and just and, straight lining it. Oh, yeah. She kills it.
0: Yeah, she does great. So she gets to the house, and it gets really weird inside. Um, and I think this is one of the cooler scenes. Yeah. She goes upstairs to see what's going on, to see if she can find Doug. And... The timeline that she's in basically changes when she goes upstairs. Yeah, she kind of I'm not sure if the idea is that she's supposed to go back in time. I I kind of always
1: interpreted it as she's watching the ghosts reenact the past because yeah. as the detective said, like the past is destined to repeat itself and she's literally watching the past repeat itself. Right. Yeah. And so she actually sees Peter after he'd been downstairs with Toshio, like looking around the house to see if he can find his parents. Right. And Peter finds this room that has all of these family photographs where Kayako's face has been cut out or ripped out of every single
0: photo. Yeah. And Peter finds a diary of hers, which is just... Freakishly obsessive like about there him. there are drawings of him. There's just the name Peter Kirk written over and over and over and over. And just Peter Peter. And Peter, she's Peter, like, Peter, Peter, I Peter. love him, and he has no idea who I am. Yeah. Which like apparently she was right about that because yeah. he did not have any idea. And who then she he was.
1: hears something, and he looks over at the closet door, which is the same closet, and all those faces that had been ripped out of the photographs are pinned to this door, and there are like blood smears over them. Yeah. And he walks over, and he opens the closet, and as he, and Karen's in there, and at some point, like, she goes to reach for the diary when it falls at him, and, like, it's clear he can, like, feel her or something like that. There's, like, a very weird level of interaction there. It's really cool, though, and, but he goes over to the closet because he hears something, and as he's walking over, the diary flips the pages, and it lands on a page where there's, like, a hole in it. And the drawing behind it, that just the eye shows through the holes. Yeah. It's that whole eye
0: thing again, and yeah. it's so freaky. It is, and so he goes into the closet there because he hears like a thumping noise. Yeah, and he's like, "What's that?" And it's, uh, Kayako. It's Kayako and Takeo, because is hanging. Well, that's he's in a different room. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, but he sees Kyako's body just falls out of that hole. Yes.
1: That um, had been thinking. in the ceiling. And then he walks out into the hallway and hears the thumping noise. And he's
0: like, let me check out what this fucked up thing is. I would get out as soon as one body falls on me. Mm-hmm. He chooses to stay. And he goes and he investigates. And in another hallway closet, um, Takeo's body is hanging from the like the rack in the closet. And the reason it's thumping is because Toshio's ghost little body, whatever, because he he's drowned at this point, he would be drowned. So he has to be the ghost. Yeah, um, is sitting there pushing it.
1: I honestly must have looked away or something. I might have looked down at my phone or the I'm computer screen. Sure.
0: I missed that. Yeah, he's like in there. Oh, and I believe like, you. I think I was just looking this. down and yeah. taking notes on it. Yeah, it's it's very that's upsetting. so fucked up. Um, and then you get the flashback of Takeo finding uh, the diary with all of um, Kayako's musings about how much she loves Peter and murdering his whole family
1: and the cat. You actually cats. see him taking this cat and sticking it under the water, and yeah. you don't really even see him violently killing the... It, it's implied that he's violently killing the family, yeah. but for some reason, they actually show the violent act of him killing the cat.
0: Yeah. So Cat's name is Mar. Oh, it's Mar. I didn't know that. Mar. Oh, Which
1: I think is really cute. I, yeah. It, it is, but it's also sad.
0: Right. I mean, it's sad because it dies brutally in this scene, but it comes back later as a ghost cat. Ghost cat. Ghost cat. Ghost cat.
1: It's like bonded with Toshio, which is actually kind of cute. They're like best friends in the afterlife, even if they're both like vengeful spirits. They're like best yeah. friend vengeful spirits.
0: It's cute. And now one meows for the other. Exactly. I like it. So Karen's like, I can't deal with this. And she goes back downstairs um, and she's kind of back in the normal situation. There are no more ghosts. Um, she's, for now. For now. Huh. She's about to get out and Doug grabs her by the ankle. So he is there. Yeah,
1: and he's, like, messed up. And so she's like, oh, God, I have to save him. And so she starts trying to drag him towards the door. But then you could hear a door open upstairs. Oh, my God. And now
0: Kayako... In- this is the best part. And I think this is one of the most iconic scenes. Yeah, definitely. Right? You can hear someone coming down the stairs. But you can't see But you see can't it. see anyone. Oh, I, I have chills. Until Kayako rounds the corner on the stairs. And you can see that she is going down... Like, on her hands backwards. Yep. Which is apparently a thing that that actress can actually do. That's insane. And she does it sometimes just to freak people out. Which I, I believe read, that. Which is, I would do it everywhere. Like, that's how I would go to the bathroom and then come back in the middle of the night. I'd just be like, skitter, 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 skitter. I'd probably be single. Um, in this case, because Tim would leave you. Yeah, after Tim would you be like, that, like, nope, can't, nope, once. not going to do it. <laughs> um, but
1: anyway, yeah, so she's coming down the stairs, super, super freaky, and um, she ends up, like, cashing up to them, and she crawls on top of Doug. And I don't really think, the Wikipedia article described it as him getting the kiss of death. It's really more that she just
0: like dementors that shit super yeah. hard. Like she's not like kissing him as much as just sucking it like from, his like, an life inch force away. out. Yeah. Like I don't think like literal lips touch. It's just no, more like she sucks so. the life force out of
1: him. Yeah. And Karen's like trying to get away, but she opens the door and now ghost is like her face is like sticking out above her, making that like uh, death yeah. rattle thing.
0: And so she. Closes the door and kicks over a gas can. Right, because there's still the gas cans there because Nakagawa didn't manage to. No, because he it was murdered first. Yeah, he didn't leave either. And so she lights, she gets Doug's lighter, she lights it, tosses it into
1: the gas. But as she's like about to toss it in, Doug's body suddenly becomes Kayako. Yeah, that part was fucked up. Yeah, and uh, Kayako keeps getting like closer and closer to her, and then the screen goes to white.
0: And then Karen wakes up in the hospital. Doug, of course, is dead. Yeah. It just goes to, like, these two detectives
1: who are talking in front of a body covered in a white sheet. And oh, my God. It seems like at first it's supposed to imply that it's Karen's dead body. Yeah. But then they say, like, male, Caucasian, 20s, and it's clear that it's Doug.
0: The saddest part of this is that one of the guys goes, thank God we managed to keep the house from burning down. I know. Which is like, no, no. And they you say, don't like, understand.
1: like, they talk about how, like, we need to talk to the girl, and they're like, how did she even survive it? And it's clear there's some sort of, like, paranormal influence to prevent
0: her from dying, which yeah. is kind of
1: crazy. And so Karen goes down to visit Doug's dead body.
0: And, like, while she's looking at it, because she has to identify the body, um, his arm turns into, like, Kayako's hair and arm that's, like, reaching out from under the sheet. And then she's like, jumps at it, and it just turns back into his normal hand. So you're like, okay, she just imagined that. It's fine. And then... Kayako appears right behind Karen they're while like, she's looking at the back to back. Like yeah. the back of their heads are against
1: each other and she just kinda like hears the death rattle again. And she super slowly turns around. And then it just like super zooms in on Kayako's eye. And that's it. That's the end. That's the end of the movie. Yay.
0: It's fucking
1: terrifying. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say this is the first movie we've watched for this podcast where I literally screamed.
0: Yeah. So I watched it with Tim and the next day he had to go to his like company um their storage, like, storage unit unit and he was standing out there and the lights are on a motion sensor and apparently he stood still for too long. And Or, like, was out of range or something like that. And all of the lights shut out. And he, like, was trying to, like, wave his arm and he couldn't get them to come back on. And he was, like, he texted me and he was, like, why did you make me watch that movie with you last night? (laughs) I do not appreciate that. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, I would have cried, I think, if that had happened to me.
1: I, it was just that opening scene when Yoko, like, has the lighter and it lights up um, Kayako's face. Okay.
0: Here's what's That made me scream. If you are in someone else's house for any reason, if you're babysitting their elderly mother, if you're babysitting their child, if you're dog sitting, if you're burgling, I don't care why you're there. If you hear a creepy noise and it's coming from the attic, don't go up there. Leave, leave the house. Like obviously she would have died either way because that's the way the grudge works. But like, I just want to say that like, if you are in that situation, don't look for the sound. What are you going to do if you like, okay, say it's a raccoon. What are you going to do when you find that raccoon? It could have rabies Even if it's like The most mundane Possible reason It's still gonna Possibly end badly So just get out That's a really good point Um All right
1: I actually, you just called the, like, the curse of the house or whatever, the grudge, which is mm-hmm. obviously the name of this. And it's interesting because I was reading, I did a bunch of research earlier today about this movie. And one of the articles I read said they don't think that the grudge is a good name for this. They think it should be something more like the curse or whatever. Mm-hmm. I actually think the grudge is very fitting because the idea is they did die in this, this severe anger and rage and sadness. And so they're kind of, like, holding a grudge against the world for it. Yeah. And like they're acting on this grudge that they have. So to me, the grudge makes a lot of sense.
0: It makes sense to me too because it, it sounds petty, and it's like it really because I think it drives from the fact that like these people didn't do. It's not petty to be murdered, like to be upset about being murdered. Yes, <laughs> that's the exact point I was going to make. All justified to be upset about being murdered, but like their anger is completely misdirected. Like they have a grudge against everyone in the house, not because those people in the house did anything, just because they have like. Yeah. A grudge. Yeah. That they're holding. Yeah.
1: And I think the idea of holding onto it for an extended period of time is also something that, like, if you have a grudge against someone, it's, yeah. that's something you do, you hold onto it. And so it's this idea of holding onto it and being unable to let it go.
0: It also, it feels more like a few of the articles that I read while I was kind of researching this talk about the personal nature of it. It is very where personal. Where it's like these hauntings, and, and this is something that kind of shows up a lot in J-Horror, where it's like the character's it's not a house that's haunted. It's you end up being haunted. And yeah. it doesn't matter where you go. You can't leave your belongings and move to another state like the um, like the folks in the Amityville Horror did. Yeah. You can't do that. You're stuck with it,
1: basically. I mean, even in the, the second movie of The Grudge, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar actually ends up dying at the very beginning of the movie. And it centers around Amber Tamblyn is actually one of the main characters. And it follows Amber Tamblyn back to Chicago. Right.
0: Like, it's... Like, even flying overseas doesn't do anything. Like, it still follows her. Yeah. So, to me, calling it the curse is almost like... Curses show up so much in horror movies. This is something a little different. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, we did kind of talk about Amityville Horror a little bit while we were discussing this. And, obviously, that was the last episode was about Amityville. Um... Both of these are technically haunted house movies.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about that when we decided to do The Grudge next. I just thought about like this really cool remake of a Japanese horror movie that terrified me when I was younger <laughs> and apparently
0: still terrifies me. It's so me. scary. Yeah. But they are both. I mean, they are. They are, yeah. But it's interesting to see how they, they handle it differently. I mean, like we said, it's not necessarily entirely place-based, really. Yeah, and so
1: almost everything that happens in the Amityville Horror happens at that physical location other than the issues of the priest. That's when the priest is trying to get in the way of things. Right. In this, it's like you visit it once and you're done or you interact with it in some way. Like, the detective, I guess he did visit the house, but even, like, the haunting, the biggest part of it came from him watching the video. Right. Um, And there are people who didn't go to the house. Like, I guess everyone did
0: go to the house, actually. I yeah. don't think of anyone who didn't go to the house who might have been haunted by it. No, everybody technically goes. And a lot of people die in the house, but not some everyone. Does. don't. Susan yeah. dies outside of the house. Alex dies outside the house. Yeah. The detective dies, out- no, the detective no dies, detective dies in dies the house, yeah. but he's just haunted outside
1: of it. Right. Something else that's interesting about this as well is that in the Amityville horror It's not one personal set of things that sets this off. The idea is the land has been haunted because of this act of Satanism by this guy who had been chased out during the Salem Witch Trials. Like the Native American Would leave there mentally ill to die there. And it's kind of like a cursed land in a way. Yeah. And that's why all this stuff happens. Here it's like one act of extreme terror and rage and horror. Sadness is what causes this entire thing. I thought that was a really kind of cool difference between the two haunted house movies.
0: Yeah, because, like, on the surface, there is a similarity between, like, the DeFeo murders where, like, a son snaps and kills his family. Which is similar to the father snaps and kills his family. But the implication in the movie is that. Butch DeFeo went crazy because... Of the the house being haunted. And I do think that, like, that's something that's a very... I think because of American history, because so much stuff was built somewhat recently, you know, in the overall history of things, um, and because of the fact that all of the land in the U.S. originally belonged to a completely different group of people, and there is the whole, like, oh, it was built over this thing or it was built over that thing, and, like, now... Those spirits are, like, trying to take their revenge, whatever. Like, there, you, you see, like, the Native American burial ground and stuff like that, or, like, the cemetery and poltergeist. You see the idea of cursed land coming back again and again and again. And it's really an interesting, almost, like, very American concept because, like, not to get too political, but I think we can all agree... Horrible, unfair atrocities happen basically everywhere in the United States. Yeah. Like the whole reason that like we as people live on the specific pieces of land that we live on now is because, because it was like taken genocide violently. Happened.
1: Yeah. Have you seen the um, episode of Parks and Rec where she's like, "Here's a map of all of the areas in which atrocities, <laughs> the atrocities happened. happen," blue, and it's just the whole and the entire map. map's blue
0: with like yeah. three
1: tiny white spots, and it's yeah, yeah. This is what I think of when I think of the U.S.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean. It is, and so the, the concept of, like, land being haunted because of past atrocities is probably not necessarily in the forefront in other cultures in the same way. Because, like, while horrible stuff has happened everywhere in the entire world, like, it's recent in the United States. Yeah. Like, it's within the past, like, 300 years or less. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I find that interesting. I find it, it is. Like, it's an interesting... And, like...
1: I'm not super familiar with the long history of Japan, but, like, Japanese people have lived in Japan.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that at some point in time... It was, like, a group... Colonies yeah. and stuff like that at times. Like, there's always changes. It, but it wasn't, or was it wasn't the same colonized. situation. That's not the right or, like,
1: phrase, but like people came and left, and bad things happened. Like, I know parts of Jap- Japan's history. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about
0: it. Yeah, Just, but it's not the same thing where like an entire new crew came in exactly, and exactly like, and kicked everyone else yeah. out and killed them all. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So I think it's a little more like you have to you have to justify it a little bit better. Yeah,
1: and you know? I do love that like. It could be something as recent as an event that happened three years ago, and now this place is hella haunted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, whenever I'm in my current apartment, I'm like, oh, man, this is a pretty recent building. So, like, no one's probably been murdered here. And I was like, wait, but, like, literally if anyone was. They might have been. It could be, like, a year ago, and
0: this place could be hella haunted from it. Yeah, you don't know. I don't. If I died, I would come back immediately as a ghost. Also, the way that these these, um, spirits appear in the house is different from something like Amityville to something like this. Like,
1: yeah, like weird shit just happens in Amityville, like the black
0: sludge in the toilet. Yeah, or like the the house oozing blood out of its walls, or the China dog coming to life and like trying to attack someone. Yeah. And this is just like, it's either Toshio or Kayako, or in that one
1: scene, Takeo. yeah. And other than that, I think it's just the three of them are, like, messing with everyone and killing everyone.
0: American ghosts are passive-aggressive as hell. And Japanese ghosts just, like, get it done. We're here and we don't want you here. Yep. We want you to be dead, so now you are. Yeah. I guess we don't know what they did with um, Peter, necessarily. We don't Um, know if he saw I think the implication
1: is that he was, like, pushed over because the detective at some point said, like, I don't believe that he jumped. Yeah. And so... I think the idea is like the wife never went to the house, so she and she never saw anything. Um, So whatever happened, she couldn't see. And like for example, when Doug and Karen are on the bus, and Karen sees Kayako's reflection in the bus window, Mm -hmm. no one else sees it. Right? She just screams for no
0: reason. It can
1: happen in a place where like only one person can see what's going on. Yeah. also just really interesting, there is so little blood in this movie. There's
0: really not much. There's a
1: couple of blood smears, and there's, like, there's the blood that's on the floor when Yoko is walking around with no jaw. Yeah. There's a little bit of blood on... Kyoko's clothing mm-hmm. when you see her towards the end of the movie, but not early on. Yeah, and then there's like the bandaged, bloody knee, and like there's scratches on Shio's like face. Gory but they're not really. bloody. Yeah, they just like look like they're almost like semi-healed or whatever. Yeah, and that's about it. And I'm guessing it was to keep the PG-13 rating. But but also most of the deaths don't even happen in bloody ways. They don't. And I think also, I mean, if you think about like the ring. There isn't any blood in the ring
0: either. Not really. They just get frozen in the... And
1: other remakes of Asian horror movies that I've seen, I don't remember much in the way of blood in at all. So I think it's just, like, they're more into, like, the psychological horror and, like...
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot fewer jump scares. Like, there are jump scares, like, when you see, like, a hand pop out or, like, a face show up. But it's more of, like, you know that it's gonna... Like it's not, it's not really a surprise. Like I think the it's scariest the payoff is the thing.
1: jump scare. Yeah, and I think that one of the scariest things in the entire movie is that elevator scene where like the boy just gets closer and closer. Yeah, and that isn't a jump scare; it's just freaky and it messes yeah. with you. I think this movie does a really good job of messing with your mind.
0: Yeah, it's not like Amityville where the cat just jumps out of nowhere and yeah. that's a jump scare. Like to to draw kind of similar comparison to a recent movie that I really like in. Um, A Quiet Place, which I haven't seen yet. Oh my god, it's Uh, so good. There are jump scares in A Quiet Place. There are a lot of them because it's the sound versus quiet thing. But the reason that they work so well is because you know in the scene that the risk is that there is going to be a loud noise. And so the whole time you're waiting to see when it's going to pay off, like in the same vein that you're in the house in the grudge, and you know that there's something bad there. I And you know that it's going to show up.
1: Also, like, for example, in the Amityville Horror, like the cat jumps at a window and that's a Mm -hmm. jump scare. Yeah. In a quiet place, that's actually something that could be terrifying. Because any loud noise will draw, like, the bad monster thingies to you. So it actually, in a lot of scary movies, like, the big noise is the relief. I feel mm-hmm. like in the quiet place it's like the oh shit, now they're coming yeah. moment.
0: Yeah, which I, I really also very much like. I saw a few reviews that were like, it's all jump scares. I'm like, no, but it's like it's like it's like taking the jump scare and like elevating it yeah. to like a whole different level. But that's we can do a whole episode on that another time.
1: Okay. And the last thing specifically about this movie versus American movies that I want to cover briefly. I actually read this great review in The Atlantic, which if you go to our website, um, the link is there. There's this quote from this review from 2005 that says, "...in American horror films, victimization is almost never random. People die because they made the mistake of defiling a mummy's tomb, or having sex at camp, or not moving to a new house and the walls of the old ones start dripping blood. And even when faced with apparently unstoppable killing machines of one kind or another, the smart and virtuous generally find ways to overcome them." Shimizu's world, by contrast, is capricious and fatalistic. Geller's character, for example, is a home care volunteer who has the simple misfortune of being in the office on the day that someone is needed to fill in for another employee. And from there, her fate is all but sealed.
0: I think that's one of the cool things about bringing another country's horror and sort of adapting it to a new audience is that it does come across very fresh. I think that that's part of the reason why the J-horror craze was so big in the 2000s. It was just, it's so different because we'd already had so many teen slashers. Yeah. We'd
1: had like the they made a mistake and now they're paying for it and this was a different mythology and a different style of horror where it's just something unlucky happens, whether you watch a videotape, whether you get an eye transplant from someone who happens to have seen ghosts, or yeah. you enter a house where there was a murder and you're fucked because of it. Yeah.
0: It's like a completely a completely different way of looking at it. And, um, of course, you know, Americanized Japanese horror was big during this time period. Like we mentioned, it started off with The Ring in 2002. Um, Dark Water was made in 2005 um, which was based off of a a Japanese movie from 2002 Pulse was made in 2006 Um, One Missed Call I've read a couple places that were like One Missed Call was kind of the end on this one because um, it was very terribly rated Um, (laughs) but that came out in 2008 I haven't seen it I haven't either Um, And then you had Thai and Japanese remakes, like Shudder or The Eye. Um, They weren't quite as big as Japanese movies, but Yeah, because I think
1: they both did well, and they did have the American remakes. I think The Eye had, like, Jessica Alba in it or something like that. Oh, I remember that. Yes, I do remember that as well. Mm -hmm. It's like I remember more every time you... I don't think that they... Were as successful. I really think the Grudge and the Ring were the two really successful ones. And then Dark Water probably after that. Yeah. And because those were so popular, there's a slew of them afterwards. Right. Um, I actually love the Chinese version of The Eye. I've watched it multiple times with my family. Really. Um. It's kind. It's very similar to The Sixth Sense in the oh. sense that she sees like dead people, but she sees them before they die, so she can tell when something bad is about to happen. And it kind of, like, becomes this weird psychic thing, but it's freaky because she'll, like, see... There's a scene where she sees, like, hundreds of people, and it's clear there's going to be some sort of catastrophic event. And she's, like, running around trying to warm everyone, and she just can't. Oh, my God. And it's really creepy and cool. Um, Never saw the remake, though, but I loved the original.
0: Yeah. I remember seeing ads for the remake and thinking it looked creepy, but that also came out in... 2008. Yeah, so I was, like, 17, and I didn't have good judgment or anything, so...
1: I mean... It was also kind of overdone at that point because every new horror movie out for a while was a remake of an Asian horror movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah,
0: I will say right now we're in like the best, I think we're in one of the best horror movie zones right
1: now. I think we've had some really good ones. Like the remake of It was killer. Yeah.
0: Like, I feel like that we've been really walking that line between like popcorn-y horror and like The Witch and like really like more. We've had some really good ones. There's been a couple bad ones. Oh yeah. There's always going to be bad horror movies. But isn't that I still love of horror? even those horror movies, though. That's true. You know. Um, so one of the components that comes up a lot in these remakes, um, and of course in the original movies that they're made from, um, is the revenge component, which is something that shows up here and also shows up in The Ring, where Samara is kind of out for revenge after her parents killed her.
1: Yeah, and... It's interesting because it's, they want revenge, but not on the people who wronged them.
0: Yeah, I mean, the implication is kind of that they've already sort of gotten They got the, that the revenge. Because she kills her parents later, right? Like, not at some point in the movie, doesn't she? Samara, you mean? Yeah.
1: I think that she doesn't directly do it. I think, like, her mother commits suicide or something like that.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't remember exactly what I don't happens. either. I need to rewatch that movie. I'm doing soon. It's been a while. Uh, but like in this one, she the implication is that like Takeo kills them, and then they come right back and they're like "fuck you" and kill him. Yeah. So like they've already done that. They've already they've already got the guy, but they're not satisfied.
1: No. I, mean, I think that's why it's interesting that the tagline is like "it never forgives and it never forgets." No, because it's
0: not stemming from anything at this point. It's just rage. Yeah, it's
1: almost like it isn't the ghost of a human. It is rage embodied. Yeah. So, it's cool.
0: and its I really like this. Again, I think it's, like, the personal thing. Because, again, a lot of these focus on, like, the family unit and the dysfunction within those, like, very personal relationships. Like, Samara is furious because her adoptive parents tried to kill her. And then in Dark Water, uh, the little girl who's, like, haunting them, she just wants a new mother. And she wants um, Jennifer Connelly to be her mother. And it's that same thing where, like, when the initial mother-daughter relationship fell apart, then, like, it brought something out in her that's this very personal connection that she refuses to let go. Because, like, what's more personal than that, you know? Yeah. Or, as you mentioned here, in Shudder...
1: Oh, yeah. Shudder is also very revenge-based because the whole idea is that this guy starts, like, getting all these aches and pains in his neck and shoulder after they have, like, a hit-and-run. They accidentally kill this girl. And it turns out at some point, his like this main guy's girlfriend or wife finds these photos of her, like the girl being like sexually abused by his friends. And It turns out they, they knew each other in college, and oh his friends God. had like sexually assaulted her, and he took photos and didn't stop it. And so now she's haunting him. And what's so freaky? I've only read the Wikipedia synopsis on this, but the idea is she's literally the ghost of her is sitting on his shoulders. And so there are photos oh. they take of him where they see this girl like sitting on his shoulders. They so talk he's about how he's literally, like literally, bearing the weight of he's literally his bearing the weight. Wow, And, like, there's talk about how, like, he weighs himself in the doctors. His weight has literally doubled, and that's why. And it's, yeah.
0: And again, I, I mean, that's another very personal
1: this thing. This is very much, I read the Wikipedia article multiple times in the past we couple years. We haven't watched every movie. Yeah.
0: We're trying. <laughs>
1: um, so that is my understanding of the movie, but it still sounds so messed up. And I heard that the Thai version is really terrifying mm. and that the remake was not that good.
0: Who knows? This is just what I read online. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. We should do an actual foreign language one at some point. That would be fun. Uh, Another quote that I really liked um, from a a Los Angeles screenwriter named Lucas Sussman um, from a National Geographic article that I read about it is... Japanese horror operates on a much more dreamlike level and has given Hollywood the license to not make sense. This actually works well for horror because horror is about not being in control.
1: And that's actually one of the criticisms that I've read of Gore Verbinski's version of The Ring is it's is he tries too hard to make it all make sense. Yeah, And that if you just don't try and rationalize everything, it gets a lot better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like that about it. And I do kind of feel like you see some of that I think horror gets a little bit more experimental after the 2000s. You know? Yeah. Because we get... It, it's almost like this sort of paved the way and introduced some of the concepts for the really quality horror that we're doing today. Oh, where that it's makes sense. You don't have to explain. Like, it doesn't have to just be a serial killer who's chasing people with a knife. It doesn't have to be just, you know... A haunted house because this or that thing happened and it can be i also
1: one of the art i think it was actually that same atlantic review that i had that quote from earlier talked about how it was just so full of slashers and like post seven gore from yeah. like movies like saw yeah and they just needed something new and this kind of paved the way for that newness
0: yeah and kind of with this like the specific way that this kind of movie handles like the curse and stuff like that, that's something that you see showing up later on in things like Drag Me to Hell, which is another Raimi movie. I haven't seen that actually. It's good. It has its weird I've moments, heard but things. again, it's like I've read the Wikipedia article for it. <laughs> it's really good. I actually watched it somewhat recently and it's it's very good. Um but it's the same thing where like it's just this, you know, in that case it is that she does something wrong and she gets a curse put on her. Yeah. Um or or um it follows Which I also haven't seen. Where it's like, all she does is hook up with a cute guy. Man, sex kills. Yeah. And it's just that same thing where it's just like, it's going to find you. Other people can't necessarily see it, but it's going to kill you. I mean, and Get Out, like, Daniel Kaluuya
1: just went home with his girlfriend.
0: Yeah. He didn't do
1: anything. Yeah. He was targeted because he was black. Yeah. And he happened to, like, fall for a girl. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. It's just silly. Um, it's cool that you no longer have to do something horrible in order to experience horror.
0: It makes it a little bit more scary. It does. Because when you're watching something like, you know, one of those movies where it's like, oh, they moved into a murder house and then they got murdered. Or like, it's I know like, "No, well, I know, I'm not going to m- move into a like, murder Or like, I house. know what you did last summer where they, like, accidentally kill a guy. Yeah, it's like, I'm not going to do that. Exactly. And as long as like, you don't do that, you're safe because, like, you didn't do anything to deserve it. Right. But, like, I've dated people before I met their parents. Everybody does that. Like, I've, you know, gone into a house. Yeah. Like, I've watched movies. Like, yeah. VHS tapes. Like, it makes it scarier when it's like, there's no way you can get out of it. Like, you didn't have to do something wrong. It's not your fault. It's just how it is. Yeah. Which I like. I do, too. One of the interesting things for me about this one, which we sort of talked about a little bit, is that... um so, one of the things that I noticed that I initially was a little bit kind of miffed by is that all of the main characters in this movie are white, and all of the background characters, or ghosts, are Japanese. So,
1: I'm taking a movie marketing class right now, mm-hmm. and honestly, I think because in 2005, if it did have an entirely Japanese cast— it would probably have been really hard for them to sell. Even now, you don't see very many all Asian casts. Like you know, Crazy Rich Asians is coming out, which I'm actually mm-hmm. super excited to see. With yeah, Const- I'm obsessed with Constance Wu. Yeah, um, but I'm guessing it was because of the time and the. I, and this was like
0: directed by the same guy. That's another. Yeah, that once I started looking into a little bit more, I found some interesting stuff that kind of explains that a little bit more. Is that like they do have the Japanese director who you know directed you on as well. So instead of bringing the entire story over to the U.S. and then just plunking it into, like, Chicago, like the later ones do... Yeah. They set it back into uh, a Japanese setting, and they add these characters, these American characters in. So it's almost like you're literally inviting an American audience into an unfamiliar setting. And I
1: actually was thinking a lot about the um, concept of culture shock in that as well, because... We see that Jennifer is having a really hard time adapting. I mean, Karen's doing really well, actually. But even then, like, she has to ask for directions at some point. And it's not necessarily a super friendly area. Not that, like, anyone's mean or anything like that. It's just unfamiliar and cold. And when I studied abroad, we always talked about the idea of culture shock and how, like, going into this place and being, like, just feeling so different and Mm -hmm. unfamiliar. And I feel like that unfamiliarity makes it more difficult and almost makes it scarier. Yeah. Like way. they're
0: already kind of off. And then all of this other crazy stuff starts happening. Exactly. Yeah. Um, also, I read a uh, part of a book called Japanese horror films and their American remakes by Valerie. Wee. I was so upset that I could not buy this book. Because just the candle version was like $45. I was like, I'm not doing that. But yeah. literally I found that title and I was like, oh no, I want it. So <laughs> um, but one of the quotes that I liked is that the addition of non-Japanese elements into the Japanese context in The Grudge injects simultaneously a more familiar Western treatment of horror founded on an obvious demarcation of the Western self against the Eastern other. That's true. So it's just the same thing that you're talking about where it's like all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, this American character versus this whole other culture and like their, you know mythology and stuff that she doesn't know anything about like yeah. she doesn't know whether or not she should be afraid of it
1: like the people moving into the house in the Amityville Horror it's like oh hey I've heard of a haunted house right. I know what the Salem Witch Trials were here it's like this completely new type of spirit that's like very vengeful that is just so unfamiliar in every way and yeah. it's unfamiliar to the audience who's watching it as well so they're kind of sharing in that experience. I think it's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. I will say that that is one of the things that I imagine must be difficult when you're switching a Japanese movie over to the U.S. is because, again, this is another thing that Valerie we mentions in this book. Um, different societies have different anxieties. A big part of horror is to take those social anxieties as, like, a shorthand to, like, get you into the, like, you don't need as much explanation because you can just be, like, sort of put yourself in that place and you're like, oh, that's scary because... You know, I know what, you know, other people in my culture are scared of. Yeah. So you sort of know how to relate to what's happening in the movie. Whereas something like this, if a person in Japan sees the ghost with pale skin and long dark hair, like, that's an existing concept. The on, onryo. I'm probably saying that wrong, and I'm sorry. Um that's an existing concept in Japanese culture and Japanese mythology. We don't have that. Like, it looks creepy, but we don't have, like, really an existing concept of it. Yeah. But we do now,
1: because it's definitely, like, a trope of the Japanese yes. horror movies. And I actually have a great story about that that I found. Tell me a great this story. My favorite discovery from this whole thing is that the... Um, actress who plays kayako in the movie she was in the original juan movies as kayako and she was actually a really well-known actress so she had the pale skin and the long dark hair and everything like that which is what the onryu yeah i, I i'm do not really know butchering i don't speak that. japanese at all so um I'm, you know but that's what it looks like but the hair over the face isn't really a factor of yeah. that. And the reason why they put the hair over the face is because she was so well-known. They didn't want the audience to like instantly recognize her and no longer be scared by this ghost. Mm. So after doing that, it actually became a trope of these Japanese American horror movies, which is why you see Samara with her hair exactly, down in front of her and because it's, it's this freaky looking thing. When in fact it was just because this actress was really famous and they were trying to hide it. <laughs> also, fun fact is Kayako is named after the ex girlfriend of the director slash creator of the series. That is brutal.
0: <laughs> it's like, so good. <laughs>
1: oof. That's a clever move. He said he was inspired by his ex-girlfriend for the Yikes. character. And I think that is also hilarious. That was, I, when I found that earlier today, I was, like, in public and couldn't just start laughing or I would have seemed like a crazy <laughs> person. Um, but I loved that fun fact. Yeah.
0: That is a good one. I so like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so, in summary, uh... In summary, The Grudge is dope, and you should watch it. Super
1: creepy. You can rent it for $3 on Amazon that's if you go for the
0: SD version, which
1: is what I did, because I'm cheap and don't believe in high definition.
0: It was made in 2006. Like, people weren't making things in high definition. In it was also made in 2004. You know what? At the <laughs> I'm just committing to it, and I just think it was made in 2006. That's so funny to me. I don't know why I keep getting that wrong. That's like the fifth time I've gotten it wrong. It is. That's okay, because you have me to uh, correct you. But yeah, um...
1: In summary, Japanese horror movie remakes are fantastic.
0: Some mm. of them are. A good amount of them. You know, I saw the remake of Dark Water. It was decent. Okay. I think any time that something becomes a trend, like the later ones are going to be bad.
1: Yeah, but the first few were pretty damn solid. So yeah. go watch The Grudge. Enjoy it. We spoiled the entire plot, but Kayako is still terrifying. She's so scary. Toshio's and is to scary too.. Scary. Well, okay. he doesn't ever kill anyone. He kills He kills Matt. Yeah. That's the only person he kills. Everyone else is Kayako or, like, Yoko in that one scene.
0: That's true. Yeah. That scene where um, Peter's in the house and he just starts meowing, that's scary. Yeah. Just because, like, the rest of the movie you think it's the cat... Except he meows one other time. Does he? When he's
1: killing Matt. Oh. Because he, like, puts his face over the top and goes, like, oh, Okay, I think I might have looked
0: away for a second and you might it was have. the cat making that noise. No, nah, that was definitely Tishio. Scary. Scary stuff. All right, Um. so what are we doing next week? Um. We are going to do Night of the Living Dead. Our first zombie movie, I think. I know. Um...
1: Yeah, I watched this movie when I was young. I told my mom, movies in black and white don't scare me. Ha! Pretty sure I slept in my mom's bed for six months after this because I was too scared to sleep alone. Amazing. Luckily, my sister and I shared a room, so I didn't have to do that at my dad's house. So it was only at my mom's house that I did that. And I was terrified by this movie. Have not tried
0: to watch it since. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, This is one I definitely want to buy on DVD. That's a classic, yeah. It know? is a
1: classic. I'm excited. I think it's also one of the ones that kind of invented the, the zombie trope. So I'm kind of excited to see Yeah. where it takes it. Yeah. Especially cuz we've seen a lot of good zombie movies. And I feel like we'll get to kind of explore some of the oh, zombie man. movies that it inspired. Like hell, yes. We can talk about Zombieland. We can talk about Shaun of the Dead. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because this really, I mean, this is this is the the the, the quintessential story. This is zombie the movie. basic beginning zombie movie. Yeah. Yeah so excited to uh explore some zombies with y'all yeah so in the meantime um take care again please subscribe and leave us a review if you want um you can also check us out on twitter at sat 14th podcast um you can also on facebook search saturday the 14th we're there uh we have a website saturday the 14th podcast.com and uh you can get all our contact information there as well you can check out our soundcloud why wouldn't you know what our soundcloud is You know how to listen to us. You're You're listening to us us right now. now. But if you want other ways to do it, you can do that as well. Um, And then you can reach out to us and tell us you love us or tell us you hate us or don't tell us you hate us. Yeah, just don't listen to us if you hate us. Yeah. No, you know. Don't be like that. Don't put that negative energy out into the world. No one needs that. So until next time, uh, drive safe and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Love you.